All right, Braves fans, let's get rolling. Once again, I am George McNair. This is State of the Braves, and uh, we are all smiles today as the Braves uh, were able to walk into Philly and take three out of four, and last night they were able to clinch the National League East for the sixth straight year. Uh, man, what a run it has been uh, for the Braves over that time period uh, as you think back to the rebuild and uh, just these efforts the last six years, everything that's gone on, it is really gratifying for the Braves to once again be kind of right where they, uh, they're meant to be at the top of the National League East. Um, and, you know, a lot was thought of from this team. A lot of people, you know, they walked into this season as uh, some people's favorite, not just to win the National League East, but to get back to the World Series, maybe even win the World Series. And uh, sometimes those expectations can weigh on you. Uh, a lot of teams fold under that pressure. Uh, you kind of think towards, um, you know, the Mets or the Padres uh, teams, uh, even the Yankees, that none of those teams are making the playoffs this year. They had a lot of expectations on them as well, and uh, they didn't do so well. And yet the Braves, here they are, um, and uh, they have the best record in all of baseball as we speak. So, you know, they clinched their sixth straight National League East title. The Braves currently sit at 96 and 50. They are seven and a half games up on the Dodgers for the uh, best record in the National League. Is that still something uh, in front of them and on their mind? But uh, they can take a day off today and really enjoy what they have accomplished as they make their way to Miami next. And the uh, you know the kind of awkward and, and strange but really good of you've clinched and yet you have about three weeks of the season to go. Uh, 16 games left and uh, kind of prepping for uh, for the next stage. And, of course, that is the playoffs. Um, the Braves have been the class of the National League all year long, right, really from the very first game of the season. And so you think back, in the, and of these six division titles, each one is unique. And this one is certainly different. Uh, you know, I kind of thought of 2018 when the Braves – uh, surprised everyone, right? They uh, the the narrative was that they were a year ahead of schedule when they made the playoffs in 2018 uh, and won the National League East for the first time in quite a few years. And then in 2021 uh, was a season of of struggle and uh, hardships in a lot of ways, especially in the first half of the year. And then uh, everything kind of flips right after the um, after the trade deadline, and of course season the Braves win the World Series in 2021 and then last year was um, you know a climb climbing the mountain type of season in which the the Braves at the very end of the season catch the New York Mets and in a tiebreaker win the National League East last year uh, and so each one of those seasons is certainly different than this one in which the Braves just simply were the class of baseball and dominated the National League East pretty much the entire year and it's a special year in a lot of ways, uh, maybe a less stressful year than some of these. Now, will that uh, guarantee uh, the fact that the Braves will get back to a World Series or win a World Series? No. I mean, the Braves, you know, Braves fans are, are very aware, especially if you've been around a while, you are very aware that, you know, having a great regular season is awesome. It's fun. Uh, it is an accomplishment to, to take the National League East, certainly, and you can enjoy that. But in terms of postseason success, it does not guarantee anything. I think back to 1993 
when the Braves won, I think it was 106 games, something like that, right? That's the year that Fred McGriff comes over in the trade and they just totally catch fire in the second half. And yet the Phillies in that season, in that uh, NLCS, take them down. You think of 1998. I'm pretty sure there's a song about the 98 Braves and how great they were and how disappointing that postseason was. You think of 2003, which was one of the best regular season teams in Braves history. None of these teams went on to win the World Series. So I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm not saying that that's going to happen. But we know that this does not guarantee anything. And yet, man, it does feel really good. The The Braves are certainly um, showing that they have been the best regular season team in baseball. Will that translate to postseason glory? Uh, yet to be seen, yet, yet to be written. And uh, yet I feel very good about this, uh, about where this team is. Um, this has been a year of total team effort, total team success, uh, just depth all throughout the lineup. Uh, guys stepping up uh, when when other guys go down with injury. Guys uh, stepping up uh, and surprising people with uh, their level of play. And so I just wanted to mention a few a few guys particularly. You know, at uh, the very start, you think of Ronald Acuna coming back from a down year due to you know obviously the ACL and the struggles that he kind of had last year, uh, just appearing mortal. And uh, yeah, he's come back fully healthy and has dominated baseball throughout this entire year. We are currently on Ronnie watch in terms of his, you know, he has three home runs and four stolen bases away from a historic 40-70 season. It's already been historic because he's got 30-60, but man, would it be awesome to get 40-70? I think he's going to do it. Uh, it's not guaranteed. We'll see if he sits out any games. Um, here at the back end, you know, you figure 16 games if he doesn't play every one of those games. Um, okay, maybe it's a little tougher for him to do it, but he's gone on a home run binge lately. And um, I think if he gets there with home runs, he can definitely get there with stolen bases. So uh, we will continue to watch for that. But man, Ronald Acuna, he should win the MVP and he's just been awesome all year. And then I think about Matt Olson. Uh, obviously, last year uh, coming in, to Atlanta, his hometown team, but all the expectations, having to, you know, having to, you know, we know the story. He's having to replace Freddie Freeman and the the pressure that would have been on him there. And, and just being in a new place, you know, he had a nice year, but but nothing dominant or anything like that. And this year has just been a totally great year for Matt Olson. 51 home runs, tying Andrew Jones's uh, home run record just the other night, and um, obviously the next home run he hits will be history for the Braves. Um, and I think in a lot of ways he's also uh, just made a lot of fans of his uh, and probably feeling totally like, okay, he's in. He's in the club. Uh, we can wrap our arms around Matt Olson. Uh, if you're not uh, fully on board with Olson yet, you need to get on the bandwagon and stay there because I have really – you know, you guys know, if you've been listening to me from the beginning, I wanted the Braves to keep Freeman, um, but that wasn't anything against Matt Olson, and he has definitely earned my fandom. So uh, way to go, Matt. You are having a, an amazing season. You deserve it, and it's been really fun to watch. Um, you know, I think about Strider and Morton and the fact that they held down the fort when, uh, when Freed went down, when Wright went down. These guys were relied on from the beginning of the year. And yes, Strider's had some ups and downs, but um, 
pretty much, uh, you know, three-fourths of his starts have been totally dominant. Charlie Morton, other than maybe one hiccup in the middle of the year, has been really good, especially for a 39-year-old. Uh, and then I think of the two big surprises of the year in uh, Bryce Elder and Orlando Arcia. I mean, who could have thought that Elder would have been an all-star this year? Who would have thought that Orlando Arcia, after taking over for Dansby Swanson, would have been an all-star this year? Um, they've had some some down moments too, but they have come up really huge for the Braves this year. Um, Elder isn't the dominant pitcher uh, that maybe Strider or Freed can be, but he has given them tons of innings, a lot of really quality starts, and uh, he's been really important for this team to secure uh, the National League East crown. And Orlando Arcia, same thing. I mean, just been a solid guy uh, up the middle at the shortstop position and come up with some really clutch, really big hits, including in this Philadelphia series, which, of course, I'll break down here in a little bit. But uh, Orlando Arcia, uh, man, you just got to give him credit. He has exceeded my expectations. You know, I wasn't a huge fan when the Braves uh, named him the starting shortstop, but obviously they knew something I didn't. Now, you know, he's been um, a little cold with the bat recently, but still, again, still coming up with some big hits in big moments and you just got to give him a lot of credit and it's probably pretty gratifying for him with the you know given the career that he's had to come up at this time and uh, in this with this team and play such a big role it's just really cool stuff for him um and I will you know when we're talking about surprises and and guys who've really contributed in big ways where you never would have seen it coming I will just mention Michael Tonkin as well out of the bullpen um you know, if you look at his ERA, I don't know if it's anything particularly special, but, but you know, three and a half ERA, but he has been just mostly lights out for the Braves. Huge in, especially just filling up when, you know, filling in when, uh, when he needed to. And who would have thought Michael Tonkin would have even made the team? I remember there was discussions when he made the team of, well, he's probably only up series of the, of the year, and then he'll be, you know, kind of released and it'll, it'll just be a move. Uh, primarily for, you know, roster manipulation. No, I mean, and I was thinking this too, you know, as the Braves are celebrating uh, in the locker room at the end, there's Michael Tonkin and it has to be so gratifying for him to be a part of this team, to finally have a full major league season, which never happened to him before, I don't believe. Uh, it's just really cool for him. Uh, I think about Sean Murphy and the first half that he had. You know, he's been light with the bat in the second half, but he's been so good defensively behind the plate all year and had, I mean, there was MVP talk of Sean Murphy in the first half, and he just uh, has been really great. I do hope that offensively he can find a way to be maybe a little more consistent with the bat. At that point, he's going to be just a next-level star uh, if he can do that. But great first half from Sean Murphy. And then the second half, really more than, I mean, it extends beyond the second half, but the second half that Marcelo Zuna, um, Rosario, and Michael Harris have all had, uh, they have been unbelievable in the second half of the year, and it's turned this offense into a really good offense, or from a really good offense to a, a historic offense. And um, I think particularly of Michael Harris and just the promise that he has I'm a huge Harris fan. I think that he can be a superstar in this league. I think that is his trajectory. And other than starting the season with some injury, uh, he has proven it. 
he's he's basically in the second half of the season hit about 340, um, you know, with power, with speed, um, all those things. Michael Harris has been awesome, and of course from him, great defense. But Ozuna and Rosario too have really turned things around. And you compared their season this year to what they were doing last year for for various reasons, right? But uh, they've just been really great. And then you got to give Brian Snicker a huge amount of credit. I mean, the whole coaching staff, but Snicker at the top leading the way. And when when Freed and Wright went down with injury, a lot's been made uh, talked about how everything just held together and guys stepped in big ways. But, of course, he steered the ship. There was never any panic. And the fact that uh, Max Fried has come back looking really good and we don't know quite with Wright, you know, as he made his debut in this series. We'll talk about that as well. But uh, we'll see if, you know, he has a big role to play in the in the stretch run. Uh, in the playoffs, but but Snicker really deserves a ton of credit for how he managed this this team. Uh, there can occasionally be some frustration with Brian Snicker. He you know he will occasionally maybe even look like it give, he's given a game away, uh, but a lot of times it it is with a really long term view of what he's trying to accomplish, what the Braves are trying to accomplish. So a lot of um, a lot of credit should be put towards Brian Snicker and how he manages this group and just encourages them and, and uh, that sort of thing. So uh, I do wonder how he's going to manage this team down the stretch now that they have clinched and how he's going to maybe do things slightly differently. He, he obviously can do things slightly differently than how the Braves had to play it last year, going full force all the way through 162 games to get the National League East crown in 2022. Uh, so I think it's going to be very crucial for him to manage this thing the right way to prepare the Braves well for the playoffs. I expect, and this is part of what I've heard reported, but I expect the last two series of the year, um, the Braves will basically be at full go uh, in preparation for the playoffs so that they can be really, you know, firing on all, on all cylinders before they have kind of that long, um, you know, basically weak stretch of no games as the wild card round is being played and they have that bye. Uh, so we'll see how, how he does it, but uh, I think that's how I would play it. You want them to be fully, you know, on full go with the starters getting, you know, full starts and, um, and we'll, we'll look forward to that. Uh, just one bit of Braves news. I will, I will put other than obviously the big news that they clinch is, um, Jesse Chavez is finally getting some rehab assignments. Uh, man, it has been since, I think, about mid-June since he has been on the mound for the Braves. Of course, getting crushed with a line drive to the shin, which they thought initially was just a very deep bruise. Then it comes out that it was a hairline fracture to that bone. So when you talk hairline fracture and the fact that he's 40 years old, okay, uh, it probably should take him a while to come back. Uh, what can we reasonably expect from Jesse Chavez uh, the rest of the season? Again, coming back, he hasn't pitched in, um, what, three, four months. He's 40 years old. Um, but Jesse Chavez in a Braves uniform has done some pretty special things. So it would be awesome for him to come back and be a part of the Braves bullpen. Um, but I don't know. you know, And uh, it's just kind of up in the air at this point. But it's cool that he is at least in place possibility for him uh, to play a part 
in the Braves postseason. Um, I will say, you know, one other thing that this points me towards is just how do I feel about the bullpen? How do you guys feel about it? I think the Braves bullpen, it's not the weak link, uh, but it's the point in which I could see um, a game or two in the playoffs, you know, being decided by um, if they show up or not. You know, and we've seen a little bit of, of waffling and weakness in this Phillies series. You know, you had two games where the bullpen kind of allowed the Phillies to get back in the game. And then thankfully, both of those games ended up being won in extra innings, but I do see uh, there being a little crack in the armor with a couple of these guys, um, but some other guys have stepped up in big ways too. Uh, Brad Hand has pitched really well. Kirby Yates, as of late, has pitched pretty well. Of course, um, you know, Johnson also coming over with Hand from the Rockies has been really good. So uh, while Jimenez has struggled um, and a couple other guys have kind of been on and off, You've got other guys stepping in to some big roles, and especially Brad Hand was really big in this Philly series. So some good things, even though it's not totally locked down uh, right now. All right, well, let me go through some some recaps of the games in this Philly series and, and just kind of talking about how the Braves were able to win three out of four and ultimately uh, take the series and take the NL East. So game one was an eight to, or sorry, a 10 to eight win by the Braves. The Braves tallied 11 hits in this game. Offense obviously scoring 10 runs was not an issue at all. It was a balanced attack and it started off really nicely and kind of in a, a semi-comical way when Austin Riley uh, hits a triple. You could call this his little league home run as the Phillies um, had one. Well, they didn't really boot the ball around, but the ball came off the wall kind of funny. And then um, Cave out there in left field dropped the ball uh, allowed Austin Riley to come all the way around to score. And, you know, what the broadcast noted, and I would note too, is just terrific hustle, heads up uh, base running by Austin Riley. He never assumed anything. He ran hard all the way through. And then, of course, uh, Ron Washington, if he has a chance to send you home, he's going to do it. And, uh, yeah, Riley scored. And it kind of set the tone, I think, for the entire series. Uh, Acuna and Harris crushed back-to-back -back home runs in this game in the seventh inning. Uh, Harris obviously first, and then Acuna came right after him. Very next pitch, and uh, that was really fun to see them both go uh, go deep in this one. Uh, Charlie Morton uh, started this game, six innings pitched. He did, did give up four earned runs, but I thought he, he pitched relatively well. Uh, and then you had the bullpen give up some runs after Morton exited. So Turner hom uh, homered in the seventh inning. And then Harper comes in in the ninth inning and hits a two-run homer off of Iglesias that tied the game. And that was a real downer. You're kind of feeling like, oh, gosh, uh, are the Braves going to let this first game get away from them? Obviously, that would really set a negative tone for the series. But, man, to their credit, the Braves bounce right back, score two in the ninth inning off of Alvarado, who has really nasty stuff. He, You know, coming into this game, I think he had a 1.5 ERA. Um, Alvarado annoys me, by the way. I just, ever since he had a game in Atlanta where he made, um, I think two different times in a series, he made the Atlanta grounds crew come out and fix his mound for him. Ever since that, I've uh, kind of not liked the guy. And he's a Philly anyway, so I'm not going to, you know, like him too much. But anyways, uh, he is tough. 
and the Braves, uh, to their credit, got um, got on him. Kevin Pillar had a big hit off of him. And Orlando Arce also comes up and hits a double to drive in Pilar. So they get two, which of course is really important in extra innings with the, the runner at second rule. And the Braves end up locking him down and winning this game. And that was a big one, obviously, to get game one of this series. Game two, remember, this was a doubleheader day. Uh, game two, unfortunately, was a loss uh, for the Braves. They lose at seven to five. And this was the game, if you know, on paper, you'd say the Braves might not win this one. And part of that reason is Kyle Wright was making his uh, debut off of the injured list for the first time in several months. He makes his first start and he just clearly was rusty. And after the game, he basically said he was sped up, right? He just, he was too fast. He was too amped up. And a lot of that came, um, came from, you know, he was just pulling his curveball, right? That was evidence that he was definitely uh, just not in sync. Uh, he'd had mostly good outings in rehab. I think one bad one. Uh, but, you know, it is different being back on a big league mound and you think of all the months that he's had to wait and wait and wait to get back out there. So I don't think that this one is necessarily evidence that he's not ready or that he won't be good or won't be useful for the postseason. Uh, I think maybe his second, second, third starts will be, uh, you know, kind of the the judge of that. Uh, but it is pretty tough ask to get, uh, to send him out against Philly, which, uh, if everything had gone probably as a as the Braves would have planned or how how they would have liked, Kyle Wright probably would have gotten one extra rehab start at AAA. But they needed a starter here in this one, and it just timed out for him to make this start. So. Nonetheless, he goes three innings, gives up six earned runs. He did have two walks, but again, he was kind of all over the place with his command. Uh, just three strikeouts in those three innings. He did come out for the fourth, but came out of the game uh, after allowing a base runner or two. Um, after he comes out of the game, Jackson Stevens makes his um, 2023 debut for the Braves. And this was interesting to me. You guys probably remember that Stevens was a big part of the Braves bullpen last year uh, in a surprise way. You know, he kind of came out of nowhere, kind of like Tonkin did this year. And he's been um, hurt some this season down in AAA a good bit of the season. But he finally gets a chance to come up, and it was really big for the Braves. He pitched three and two-thirds innings, only gives up one earned run, strikes out five, and just saves the bullpen a little bit with his outing. So that was kind of cool to see him out there. Uh, he did keep the Braves in the game. Uh, the offense wasn't terrible in this game, but there were several guys uh, who just didn't do much in that uh, in this outing. Riley, Murphy, Arcia, and Pilar all went hitless. Um, Ozzy Albies sat. Again, this was the second game of a double hitter. So he sat and Lopez played second base. Um, and then Acuna DH'd. So it was kind of a funny uh, starting lineup for the Braves. We're, we're pretty used to them always having the same lineup and the same uh, defensive uh, setup, but it was a little different in this game. And again, just not quite enough as the Braves go down in this one. You do get two home runs, though, from Matt Olson. So this was the particularly cool moment for the Braves as Olson homers twice. His second home run was his 50th home run uh, of the year. Uh, just a really cool moment for him. And then Harris also added a solo shot in this game. Um, so Harris is hitting well. Obviously, Olsen has been on fire. 
And uh, so even though you, you lose this one, you don't feel too bad about it with Freed going in game three and Strider going in game four of the series. So let's go ahead and jump to those. So game three was a seven to six win from the, uh, for the Braves. This one got really interesting, a little hairy uh, late, but Freed had a really good start. Uh, this was encouraging. Now I will say it almost um, came back to bite the Braves, the fact that Snicker pulled Freed out after five innings. I think he probably should have gone out for a sixth. Um, but anyways, Freed goes five, gives up one earned run, four hits, and six strikeouts, but only 87 pitches. So that's why I would say I was, I was surprised he didn't go back out for a sixth. But, you know, it is what it is. The bullpen ended up giving five earned runs in four innings, including three earned runs from uh, Joe Jimenez, who only went uh, a third of an inning uh, in the eighth. And this is when the game just was getting too close for comfort. Iglesias comes in the ninth and um, tight ropes out of the ninth after giving up uh, a home run to tie the game. Uh, he's he's then got first and second, nobody out. He's able to induce a, a double play and ultimately it did not look like this was going to happen. But ultimately he got out of the ninth inning with a tie game. So the Braves once again go to extra innings with the Phillies. And um, once again, they bounce back, right? Um, so that was really cool. But before that, let's talk about the offense as a whole in this game. So they were able to touch up uh, Zach Wheeler in this one to the tune of six earned runs over five innings. Uh, and that was one of his worst starts of the season, just to their credit. Uh, and they get three home runs in this one off of Wheeler. Olsen, Acuna, and Ozuna all go deep. Wheeler had not given up. Uh, two home runs in a start in about a month, and he had not given up three home runs, I don't think, all year. So, you know, it's probably not shocking to you guys that the Braves are hitting some home runs. That is kind of the, one of the themes of the season. And, you know, Olsen's home run in this one was his 51st. And, of course, this tied Andrew Jones for the most uh, home runs by any Brave in any season, Atlanta or otherwise in their history. So man, that is pretty darn awesome. I saw Andrew Jones congratulating Olsen uh, via social media on that, um, on that home run and just really cool stuff. It was also funny to me that the Philly fan uh, threw the ball back onto the field as you know, opposing fans will do sometimes. And Olsen was probably like, Oh, thank you very much. I get to keep that baseball in my trophy case uh, for the rest of my life. So 51 home runs. Hopefully he'll hit 52 uh, here in Miami as the Braves are going to Miami next and get that one out of the way and, and maybe hit a few more after that too. Uh, Acuna with his home run, of course, inches closer to 40. He now sits at 37 home runs for his season uh, and uh, hopefully also inching towards an MVP. So after the Braves blow the lead, you know, after, after the bullpen gives it up, Eddie Rosario comes up in the 10th inning. Uh, the Braves have a runner on third with one out. The, the Phillies um, bring in the infield, and he is able to rip a single through that drawn-in infield. Gives the Braves the lead. Um, and obviously, with, with the man at second extra inning rule, you just always have to get at least one in. And so the Braves are able to get one in in that inning. And then just an absolutely awesome uh, relief appearance from Brad Hand, he he earns the save big time as he does not allow uh, the Phillies runner from second to score. Uh, leaves him at third, and the Braves win this one. 
So, of course, that puts the Braves on the precipice of clinching the NL East. And then we have Game 4, which is a 4-1 to one win by the Braves. Uh, the, the Braves strike early in the first inning, as they have done so many times this year. Austin Riley uh, just absolutely annihilated uh, a first-inning home run. Uh, you know, the, the tail of the tape on this one supposedly was 447, uh, but he goes center field, and it makes it all the way to uh, the terrace up there. Um, and I don't know how that is just considered 447 feet. Seems like 460 or 470 at minimum. But, you know, I'm I'm no mathematician, so I guess uh, I guess we have to trust that. I don't know. Anyways, not that it matters that much. Uh, <laughs> you get two in the first, and Riley also had a sack fly in this one. So he gets three of the four RBIs in this game. And I just want to mention this, you know, this is a little self-serving, guys, but at the very beginning or before the year started, I made one of my predictions was that Riley, Olsen, Acuna, and Harris combined would hit 150 home runs, which, you know, seemed like a pretty um, pretty bold prediction. Uh, I was thinking that Riley, Olsen, and Acuna would probably all be around 40 home runs for the year and that Harris would be at 30. Now, Harris is still only at 16, but but of course, still having a great season. And injuries is part of the reason why he's maybe a little lower in his home run total this year. But I wasn't expecting Matt Olson to hit 51, and of course, hopefully more than that this season. But anyways, with 16 games to go, these four are at 139 home runs. So with 11 more home runs total, uh, that prediction is going to come true. And I'm already feeling good about myself. Even if they don't quite get there, just the fact that they're approaching 150 total um, between the four of them is incredibly impressive. And, of course, there's multiple guys on the team who have more home runs than Michael Harris. I could have picked one of them and easily gotten to 150, apparently. Uh, I could have picked Ozuna or Ozzy. But, man, it's still really cool. And, anyway, I just want to mention that. I know it's a little self-serving, but... Uh, I'm I'm just pretty happy with those guys, uh, obviously in their performance. Uh, but back to this game four, you know Spencer Strider is an, is the other big story out of this game. He goes seven innings pitch, one earned run, nine strikeouts, and this is of course a big bounce back performance from Spencer Strider. And it was really encouraging in the way that he did it. You know he had a shaky first inning. I think he ended up having to pitch like 36 pitches to get out of the first. He gives up a run. He leaves two runners on base with a strikeout. Um, and, you know, ultimately, of course, will end up going seven innings. So to to be at 36 pitches, I mean, that's looking like uh, a start where you may be just getting through five. And for him to lock it down, pitch a little more efficiently through the rest of the game and get through seven was was just super impressive. And it's kind of one of those things we talked about. This kind of outing from Strider is what you need. When he doesn't start the game super sharp, but he kind of figures it out, uh, and he definitely figured it out in this one. You know, through uh, through the regular season, Strider has absolutely dominated the Phillies. Uh, he has around a 1.5 career ERA against the Phillies, and of course, he had the one loss in the postseason last year. But an asterisk has to be put next to that because he was coming off of that oblique injury and hadn't pitched for about a month. So. Um, this is just really good, um, really good sign. Yes, it's, it's maybe even likely that Strider's going to have to pitch against the Phillies in the postseason. And the fact that he's pitching this well against them right now 
uh, is hopefully a sign of some things to come. So guys, that was, that was an amazing, um, obviously four game series against the Phillies ending with the Braves clinching on, uh, the, you know, on the field, uh, with the Phillies fans booing them and, you know, to their credit, they, they kind of just took the booze and actually probably enjoyed the booze some. I definitely could tell that Ronald Acuna did not mind being booed. Uh, Acuna is, is, you know, a flashy guy. And if, if the Phillies fans want to boo him, go for it because I think it motivates him more than anything. But the Braves took that team picture right in the middle of the diamond um, on the, the Phillies field. And that probably felt really good considering the fact that the Phillies bounced the Braves out of the postseason last year. So just a couple things I want to talk about for the rest of this episode. The first one is related mostly to Spencer Strider. And this is a question I want to pose to you guys. Should Spencer Strider uh, get rest uh, leading into the postseason? Should the Braves rest Strider in some fashion? And, you know, the, the question that goes along with this is, is the rest theory in baseball backed up by evidence? You know, resting pitchers, does this help them at all uh, or not? And of course, this tends to be, I think this is uh, something that has really taken baseball baseball by, by storm over the last decade, is this idea of resting pitchers um, in some way, shape, or form. Now, rest can look different um, in, you know, it can take various forms. For instance, you could say, I'm going to rest a pitcher by limiting his pitch count. Uh, he's only, you know, leading into the playoffs, Let's just make sure he stays around 90 pitches or 85 pitches or whatever number you wanted to put on a Spencer Strider or anyone else for that matter. But I'm talking specifically for Strider here, of course. Um, you could say we want to rest a pitcher by maybe just skipping a start. Uh, you could say um, in a very extreme way that the Nationals, of course, did. We're going to rest this star pitcher by shutting him down entirely. He's not even going to pitch in the postseason. Now, of course, the Braves are not going to do that with Strider. But, hey, the Nationals did. And, you know, that made a lot of news. And, of course, it's a cautionary tale because uh, it didn't really work for Strasburg. Of course, he's now out of the league. Um, the last option is you could rest a starter by maybe just adding an extra rest day between starts or maybe two extra rest days between starts. So I wanted to go into some of these and give you my thoughts. So the rest day by limiting pitch count, the Braves obviously don't seem to be doing that. You know, they, they send Strider out uh, for an extra inning uh, in this last one. He goes 110 pitches. Now, is he likely going to go 110 pitches the rest of the way through this season? Probably not. But I do wonder if the Braves, I, or I would say, I kind of doubt that the Braves would, um, let him go very deep into games in terms of 110, but I also kind of doubt they're going to be too aggressive in limiting his pitch count. But I do think this is this could happen, maybe keeping him around 90, 95 pitches the rest of the way, just don't, not pushing it too much. Now, is that going to make a huge bit of difference between pitching 90 pitches to 100 pitches to 110 pitches per every start? I don't know. It's it's hard to know if there's actually uh, going to be a ton of difference for the guy, but um, and I don't know. There's a ton of evidence that 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 really helps a lot, but 
I could see the Braves maybe playing into that a little bit. What about this other one, the rest by skipping starts? I don't think the Braves are going to do this, skip a full start and have you know Strider 10 or 11 days from now pitch his next start. I don't think that's very helpful at all. Yeah, it limits innings, uh, but it also means you're less uh, sharp going into the playoffs. So uh, if you did that in the middle of the season, maybe there's an argument for that. But again, is there evidence that that actually helps a guy, um, you know, limiting innings by, by, by 10 innings pitched per season or whatever? I don't know. Okay, so the last option, because I'm obviously skipping the shutting him down option, but the last option is resting by, or sorry, rest by adding rest days. And the Braves actually have been doing this a little bit, okay? They have called up some guys uh, from AAA and gotten, their, their primary starters an extra day or two of rest. And while I'm not opposed to that, I do also wonder if it's all that helpful. And actually, John Smoltz, if you watched the broadcast last night, was asking this exact point. And Smoltz's point, and I, I kind of am following his logic here, okay? His point is that more the more rested pitcher may be less sharp, right? Because he actually feels better. Uh, his arm feels uh, less fatigued, and so he's going to go out there and throw a little harder, a little freer, and that's actually not normal to you know a guy who's going out and pitching every five days, right? It's just changing the dynamics of the of a guy's arm and how he feels. Uh, the fact that he feels fresher might cause the guy to yeah he might throw harder, but his um, you know, his control might be off. His command might be a little off. Uh, he might not be able to spot that uh, breaking ball like he usually would. And he could even be prone to injury as a guy feels really good and really fresh. Now he's he's throwing uh, at 100% um, when you'd really, really rather him throw at 95% or 90%. So, again, while I'm not incredibly, I'm not totally against adding an extra rest day or two down the stretch. I do, especially as we are approaching the last week or so of the season, I would prefer the Braves to just stick to that five-man rotation. Because look, um, these starters are going to get more rest after the season ends, you know, because obviously the Braves are going to have this bye. So you don't want, I don't think you want to build too much rest to the point where they're not going to be sharp. Um, I think it's more valuable that Strider enters the postseason sharp and, you know, working through some of his release point issues that, that can leave him at times. Uh, and look, he seems to start a lot of games, not super sharp. That was the case in this Phillies series. Um, luckily most starts, he, he tends to find it, uh, just like he did in this last game. Uh, but I don't think that adding one, two, three extra days between starts is going to improve uh, his command and these uh, these issues of him sometimes losing his release point and kind of you know losing his mechanics a little bit. So that's my take on it. Um, I think that generally we just assume that rest helps, but I don't know in a sport that is very much required on muscle memory and just going, you know, especially for a starting pitcher, you're used to going every five days. When you start messing with that, it's it's hard to know the effect. Again, maybe everybody's a little different. Maybe some guys it affects a lot. 
Some guys it helps, some guys it doesn't. Obviously, I know Freed is kind of known for if you give him an extra day, he's a little sharper, but I don't know that that's going to be true with everybody. So this is one area where I just think it's going to be really interesting to see how Snicker decides to, to manage it. All right, guys, so the last thing I want to go over in this episode, um, and I was going to go a little more in depth on it, but I, I don't know that I really want to take too much time on this, but it's the George Kirby incident. And so if you've been following baseball generally, you might have heard George Kirby's, um, his quote. If you don't know who George Kirby is, he's an all-star pitcher for the Seattle Mariners, having a great year, 3.25 ERA or, or thereabouts. Um, but he recently had a game in which it's uh, he's gone through six innings. He's at 90 pitches. His coach tells him to go back out there for the seventh. Apparently he didn't want to, but he does. He goes out there and basically gives up the lead and uh, the Mariners lose the game. And so he's interviewed after the game. And this is his quote. He said, I wish I wasn't out there for the seventh inning. To be honest, because I was at 90 pitches, I didn't think I need to go anymore. And obviously this did not go over too well with a lot of people, um, especially old school baseball people. If I have to, you know, if I have to admit, I'm probably, I probably lean more old school guys. Um, not that I don't appreciate some of the new school ways of thinking, thinking and analytics and the benefits it can have. But, you know, I grew up a Braves fan and probably a lot of you did too. And when you, when you grew up a Braves fan, you're probably a little biased towards the old school, but just because you saw it work so well, especially when it comes to pitching, you know, you think of Maddox and Glavin and Smoltz and how they did things and you, you know, it doesn't line up at all with these quotes. And so I don't want to pile on George Kirby too much. Uh, that's why I'm not going to go as in depth as I was initially going to, but I do want to wrap it back around to the Braves and what I appreciate about Spencer Strider and Max Freed especially. And really, I think this relates to all the Brave starters, but these two particularly, can you imagine the, you know, the level of competitors that Strider and Freed are and them ever saying this? I mean, these guys basically, you will see them in the dugout at times begging to go back in the game, right? And Snicker kind of has to pull the reins back. And sometimes he will let them go another inning or, or another batter or whatever. Um, but, you know, this is, to me, and I don't want to make too much of it for George Kirby, but it's not, it's not a good look. And it's certainly not a good sign. And it doesn't send a good message to your team that basically ah, it's, it's kind of more about you than the team right? That's about your pitch count and you don't feel great. So you're not going to go back out there and your teammates might be in the same boat. of not feeling great. And they're putting them, you know, their bodies on the line and, and, and are you not in this together with your teammates? So again, I'm not trying to pile on George Kirby too much. A lot of people have already done that, but I am trying to point back towards, um, our pitchers and especially Spencer Strider and Max Fried and just say how much, I appreciate uh, how competitive a guys they are. Um, and I know that their teammates know that and appreciate that about them. And, you know, there's a lot of position players for the Braves too that fit into this boat too. Just hard-nosed competitors. They don't want to come out of the game. And I really think especially for the playoffs, it comes back around in such positive ways when you are at this level of competitor and your teammates 
know they can count on you, know they can trust you, and that you are in this thing. You care, right? You're not just a major league player getting a, getting a paycheck. You are in this thing to win it together, and I think that is true of most of the Braves that are on this team. So that's all I got to say about that one. But, man, what a uh, what a fun time to be a Braves fan. Six straight National League East championships. And uh, as Brian Snicker said, you know, they're not done. This is the beginning, right? Uh, as he says, they have a seat at the table for the playoffs. And the baseball, you know, baseball playoffs can be crazy. It can be, you know, some people say it's random who wins every year. I don't think it's random. I think there are always reasons why the team that wins won. Um, I think you got to be hot at the right time. I think you need to be relatively healthy at the right time. The Braves obviously had an issue with that last year. But um, if Snicker manages this thing well, and of course the Braves need a little fortune to stay healthy, then I think they're set up really well, guys, to make a big run in this thing. And they certainly have been the best team in baseball to this point in the season. And it's just, it's been a really fun team to watch. Um, they get a much needed day off today in Miami. Maybe they'll go out and uh, spend some, some time on the beach. Uh, and then Bryce Elder is going to go tomorrow in the first game uh, in the Miami series since clinching. We'll see what the lineup looks like if Snicker decides to give some, some guys the day off. Uh, and that begins tomorrow or not. And so that will probably give a little bit of a glimpse into how he's going to do things moving forward. But I would assume you get quite a few more guys some days off in this first series since clinching. But it will be very interesting to see how Snicker plays this moving forward and how he balances this idea of rest versus keeping everybody sharp. All right, guys. Well, it has been a pleasure to be back with you once again for State of the Braves. And obviously, I will be back with you soon to talk more Braves baseball.